You're listening to the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network, covering and creating all things creepy. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content. Patreon.com slash creepykingdom. Hello and welcome to Tea Time with Serena. This is Serena Valentino, and I'd like to introduce my co-hosts, Tanisha and Gretchen. Hello! Tea Time! Hello, ladies! We came prepared. We did. We came prepared. I wish I could do cheers with you. I know. Virtual cheers. 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 I'm taking a sip here. (laughs) So in our very first episode of Tea Time, we are talking with Tanisha and Gretchen about Never Never, getting their thoughts, and I'm sure their guesses on who's going to be next, because I know those ladies love to know who's going to be next. They always have their theories. We are also going to be listening to an interview I did with John York, the gentleman who did the voice for... Never, never tell Captain Hook. I'm so excited. I had such a good time speaking with John. He's a sweet, dear man. And I know that you're all going to love getting a chance to get to know him and hearing about his journey being Captain Hook for a time. Well, really, he was James for a time, but we'll get to that later. And, uh, oh, and later in the show, I'm going to be reading um, a portion of Raising the Horsemen, a book that's coming out my book. A book is coming out on September 6th, and just to give you all like a preview, but right now I think we're going to dive right into discussing Never Never, and I'm interested to hear from the ladies which or both of them listened to John York's um, reading, narration, or read it, or both. I did both. I I I read it and I listened. You did? (laughs) Loved it. John York was amazing. I loved his voices and the different characters were so good. Um, yeah. And uh, obviously I got the physical copy first. So I read it first and then I was like, I have to listen to the audiobook. I need to like hear this. Um, so it was great. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big pirate fan for folks who know me. I have a Pirates of the Caribbean themed bathroom. Um, so I'm really into swashbuckling and, and, drinking the rum and where's the rum all gone and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I just loved all the the characters and the pirate lore. And, um, you know, I loved that we got more, uh, you know, odd sisters in a certain form, which I'm excited to discuss um, that piece as well. Um, you know, more magic, more mythology. Like, it, it, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, when I was talking to John, I mean, you'll you'll hear this later when we share share the interview that I did with him. But one of his favorite voices to do, he said, was Blackbeard. So yeah, he he was really surprised that that character like showed up, and he said he had the most fun like doing his voice. Um, I loved like talking with him and 
and listening to like how he took on the character. And, and this one of the things that, that James mentioned is that John kind of was really subtle in his character when he was James. Um, but as like the story progressed, he became more and more like hook until the end when he truly, truly was hook. He was truly like the hook that we knew from, from the films. Would you ladies agree? Like, is that, the sense that you got from 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 John's performance, I did. I I really felt like um, you you know you have showed the progression into madness for all of these characters, but the way the way you did Hook was a little bit different, and I really think that John brought that. Like I read the physical copy, and then I listened, and he really. He really made that very apparent, and I, I thought it was brilliant. I, I really liked how you did that. Thank you so much. <laughs> Definitely. You got the evolution, I think. Just, at, again, in the performance and the voice work, and then also, too, just in the way James to hook spoke and carried himself, and it, you could see the evolution. But then also, I think his origin made so much sense in how I know him from the classic Disney movie. Like, I was like, oh, that that does tie together so well that he came from this sort of elite and and um, wealthy background, but had had these bigger dreams um, of magic and adventure. So it it it, it felt like a very natural progression based on what the knowledge I already came in with of hook. That's awesome. I mean, for me, like, you know, in the film, he was very different, obviously, than when he was James, like at the beginning, the beginning of our story, because I, I wanted him to be a brave pirate. I wanted him to have adventures. I wanted him to be smart and, and well-read and charming and interesting and I wanted him to have so much fun before he got to Neverland and before, you know, before he was stuck there forever. And I totally grew to fall in love with James, like as I was writing, writing his character. And it broke my heart that I knew where, where his story w was headed. And I mean, if, if I could just, if I could have just been like, James, please, just stay, stay in the dead woods, you know, stay with Cersei, stay with Prim, stay with Hazel. That's where you belong. I would, because I feel like mourning, I mean, like the many kingdoms was the perfect place for James. You know, he could explore anywhere he wanted. There'd be so many things for him to learn about so many people to meet so many interesting adventures for him to go on. And, and for me, like, when when you know James was taking me on this this journey, you know when he's in 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 the many kingdoms, I'm like, why isn't he staying? You know, why isn't James staying here? This really is the perfect place, and it was just a testament to how badly he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be in Neverland. You know, he gave up, you know, a invitation from the Queen of the Dead, <laughs> you know, to go to Neverland. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, 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 the that you have, 
could go through and and just go, I signed up for this and I'm going to see it through. And I think that at that point, I kind of respect that in him because he had the opportunity to do something different. And he was like, no, this is what I signed up for. This is what I've been working for my whole life. I've got to give it a chance. I, I respect that too. I think that was really awesome. So at home in um, in in the Deadwoods, you know, he felt that mm-hmm. he really resonated with Cersei, Hazel and Prim, you know, thought he was an extraordinary person. And, you know, but he still was like, no. I mean, he even, you know, betrayed Cersei in a way um, because he, he – he wanted his purpose so badly and you know and readers will find out those who haven't you know read the book yet it's not just about going to neverland there's a deeper more profound purpose within him that he wanted and the odd sisters promised him and that's why he betrayed cersei and i'm just sad that i'm just sad that he did because i would have loved for him to just you know had a better life in the dead woods he definitely would have been happy yeah. How was it like for y'all? I know that you guys love, love the Odd Sisters. I know you like the Deadwoods. What was it like for y'all to be there, like, again, after all this time? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I miss, I just miss, I miss the Odd Sisters meddling. I missed, you know, them, them, you know, sort of being very active participants in, in the downfall of, um, whatever villain story we're sort of telling. Um, And then it's fascinating now that we have the Odd Sisters merged was a very interesting experience of like, they were split into three and then they are now put back together and and are still having like this internal dialogue and, and they're all still in there. And I thought that was really, it was fun to, to listen to and, and kind of get to play with that idea. Um, and yeah, I just, I love being in the Deadwoods in the magical realm and, and all that stuff is so good. Talks of curses and, and destinies and fate and what do we have control over? And yeah, I was really into that. I, I want to say how beautiful the Deadwoods are. Like they are so lovingly created that I am just, I am transported there and I can just see everything. I can see the stone buildings and the Rapunzel flower, how it just shines like this beacon in the middle of it. And I, it's spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Mm. Another painting I need to have somebody paint and then add it to my wall. (laughs) Yes. That would be there awesome. needs to be somebody paint that like a good macabre artist and just have them listen to these books. Send us your fan art, people. Like tag us in if yes. you have fan art, if you've made some really cool thing like visuals based on the descriptions in the book. Like I want to see them. I want to yeah. have them if I can. I should, so, yeah. I should share more stuff that Pablo Santander, the um illustrator from the Odd Sisters book, you know, all those beautiful illustrations that were in the odd sisters um i think he might have done some of the deadwoods i'll have to take a look and Ooh. if i have them i'll share them online and one of the things that 
that I notice as a reader from other authors, I can always tell when they're in their favorite places and I can tell when they're writing their favorite characters. Like you feel that love. I try my hardest to, to have that love for every part, you know, every part of the book that I'm writing. Um, but of course, I mean, like, Gretchen the other day was saying that, you know, how much she loved the dead woods, like on social media. And I said, you know, something to the effect that like, it's my favorite place to be, you know, when I'm writing and, and she's like, I can tell. And I'm like, Oh, people can tell. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It is so yeah. lovingly created that it's just like, I mean, you could have, you could have just been like, and the trees were gray. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but I mean, like I can almost see the bark flaking off of the branches and, and it's just it's gorgeous. It's well yeah. done. Yeah, thank yeah. you. It is, it is my favorite place to be like in the series. I mean, I, I also love Morningstar. I mean, but probably because I created, I created that kingdom as well. Mm -hmm. I love spending time there. And I mean, and obviously, I mean, I, I fall in love with all my villains in, in one way or another. Like each time I write a new one, I, I fall in love with them for like a different reason. Um, but I, and as much as I enjoyed writing Cruella's story, which was like the most removed from magic that we've ever done, you know, removed from the many kingdoms, you know, from the odd sisters, I still have the odd sisters meddling a little bit because I couldn't stay away from that. Um, and then we, we got a bit, we got a bit of the Odd Sisters. We got a bit, bit of a reveal about, you know, the original Cersei, which was kind of interesting and cold hearted. But now that we're really back with them, like back with the Odd Sisters, back with Cersei, Hazel, you know, all of them, Prim, I'm just, I'm where I'm at home. Like that's, that's what I love most, even though I enjoyed the previous books, but let me tell you all the book that I'm writing now, I'm still, I'm, I'm still in the dead woods. Like there, and so much more is going to be revealed about what happened after the odd sisters novel. Right. So you guys, you have an idea of what happened, right? Like they explain it a bit in the hook book, but we actually get to see it on the page in, in, in this next book, which yeah, yeah. So we're going to see how it all went down um, do you remember there's like a portion um, that Cersei mentions to to James where she says there was like the breaking of the worlds. She refers to that like many times. We get like this, I think chapter one or chapter two is entitled the breaking of the worlds. So we get to see how that happened. And I'll tell you all the, the villain that is in the book that I'm writing is why the worlds broke. So, oh, someone powerful. That's exciting. Somebody just dropped a breadcrumb. That's what it I is, see. It is called Tea Time with Serena. Spill the tea. Oh, that's exciting. That means we're getting, we're getting that. That means whoever it is, it's, it's got to be someone like a villain of consequence now. Yes. I, I, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm very excited. Yes, it is a villain of consequence. A lot of readers think they know who it is. They feel like I've been dropping clues about this person for a really long time. Um, and they made some inferences like, you know, after after reading after reading this book. So I'll see we'll see what everybody thinks when when the book comes out. We'll see if they're 
they were right. Ooh. Do you all have any guesses? Any guesses who you think it might be? Like just from reading reading the book, like was there any like clues or standouts that made you feel like, oh, I know who's coming next? Man, I tell you, you know, I usually comb through your books to pick out any kind of details I can find. And and I did pick up a trail in Hook and, oh, and I'm sniffing oh. it out. Um, but I'm not solid yet. I'm not solid, but there, there's a few villains out there that I'm thinking about. And I, I just, I'm not a hundred percent certain enough to make an educated guess, Oh, but I do believe that Tanisha is correct. I believe this is a villain that is a very big baddie. This is, this is a very big villain. This is not a little underling villain. This is not a villainette. This is this is a big one. And, and I'm, I'm really, I feel it in my brains, like, like flames, but <laughs> it's coming. Flames. Yeah. I mean, the way when I, when I wrote the outline for my editor for, for this particular book and she realized how intricately like each story, almost each story in the series is connected to the current book that I'm writing, you know, so for example, you know, there's a scene in the ballroom scene of, of cold hearted that connects to this book. There's like numerous scenes like throughout the series that connects to this book. And so I'm hoping like when, when readers like, you know, hit those touchstone moments, they'll be like, Oh, Oh my God. You know, like, and they'll, they'll, they'll put it all together you know, cause she was like, I can't even believe that you so intricately like did this, like your readers are going to flip out. And, you know, and I know that I share certain things with y'all cause you know, we're a team and everything, but I, there's going to be stuff that I know is going to surprise you. You're going to be like, what? <laughs> so I'm very excited to see what y'all think after. Serena, after you drop so many Easter eggs in this book. It's like there is just gasp after gasp. Like every time I'm picking it up, like I, I'm like, I read a chapter I'm like, oh, and then I'm like, oh, okay. I see where you're doing this. And then I read another chapter. I'm like, oh, <laughs> and then I'm like, and then I'm reading a little bit more. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> like all the time. <laughs> All right, so you have reached the spoiler portion of Tea Time with Serena, Tanisha, and Gretchen. We're going to discuss all the spoilers and never, never. So if you don't want to hear it, stop now. But make sure to read the notes in the description because I will be reading a portion of Raising the Horsemen at the end of this segment, and you don't want to miss that. All right, are you ready, ladies? We're going to discuss spoilers. All right, so let's get into it. First of all... <laughs> I thought again that James's background was brilliant. I also loved Sneed's backstory. Like I loved that he was working for the family and and was charged with caring for James. And and again, like so much of what you set up with these characters' backstories just fit so seamlessly with what I came into this book already, like knowing and understanding about 
Smee and Hook's dynamic and their relationship and and how they interact with each other. And so like Smee's like loyalty and and just urge to like serve Hook so much. It it just made so much sense. It aligned so well. So I really liked that that backstory touch. And then I also just loved that James, you know, came from wealth. He came from this very cushy lifestyle, could have had his whole life handed to him on the silver platter, but but there was this itching and longing for this adventure and this fantasy world and, and getting back there and, and his destiny and fate. And that's, that's another big conversation I'm interested to have here too, is, is discussing fate versus like choice. And, and, and um, I don't know, it was just, it was very interesting. I reflected on that a lot reading this book. Um, so I'm sure we'll get into it. I won't get too far ahead of us. <laughs> I agree, though. I kind of fell in love with Smee, too. And as soon as it was revealed, like, who Smee was to James, I was just like, well, that makes so much sense. I love that. Like, it's just like I instantly loved him a little bit more. And, and you know, being an aristocrat, they're very, you know, they have they're very affluent. And so it's like James just is like expects it to be done. And Smee's over there just like. Let me take care of this guy because he is not going to survive if I'm not here. So let me help. <laughs> I, 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 it made sense to me. I mean, this in the movie, Smee just seemed to be so attentive to James. And I wanted there to be a history behind that. I wanted there to be like a relationship before they got on the ship. And, it, and because every single one of the, of the books that were based in London, there was an important character in, in, in each of the novels that was a servant to, you know, the person. And it just made sense to me that Smee would be, would be that person in this novel, you know, in Corella's book, it was, you know, Miss Prickett, even though she ended up, you know, with a bunch of different servants. Um, but for, it was Miss Prickett, you know, she ended up taking care of her. And then for uh, in cold hearted for Lady Tremaine, she had um, she had like the, the the maid servant that was older who was trying to warn her about about going to the many kingdoms and you know so there's I just I, I'm such a fan of like you know upstairs downstairs and Duchess of Duke Street and Downton Abbey and I feel like there's important stories happening below stairs and I just. I think that like James, I felt like James was lacking in a way, the way that Corella was, was lacking like parents who saw him and, and, and understood him and, you know, but like Smee saw him and understood him, you know, and even when he thought that, you know, James was just like a little kid making up fairy stories, he remembered all those stories like years later, you know, like one of my favorite scenes to write was Smee in the crow's nest while while the Kraken is attacking, he was like the only one that was okay, you know, because he was just up there, but he wasn't worried about himself. He was worried about James who bravely dived into the ocean to save Blackbeard, you know, like me was one of my favorite characters in the story. He was very heartwarming. Like I could just picture, I just, you know, it's like I, in my mind, I'm not only picturing like the, the animated Disney character, but I'm also 
picturing um oh what's the guy that played with dustin hoffman and hook like <laughs> i'm picturing like both guys and i'm just like this guy's a teddy bear i love him he's so sweet <laughs> like james needed a teddy bear yeah he definitely did you know and, and smee tried his hardest you know to you know warn him you know there's a lot of foreshadowing you know a lot of foreshadowing in the book you know where you know james felt like at a point where he was being ushered on to a particular path and it gave him pause for a minute he's like everything is working out too perfectly you know i i went into the very pub that blackbeard is in and i was able to talk my way onto the ship and i found like the perfect clothes and my you know my servant is willing like to go with me and he's my greatest companion has been my whole life like this feels too preordained but he decided that that was a sign that it was meant to be but when smee saw the same signs i think it was when he was standing on the dock waiting for waiting for james to arrive he felt like they were being pushed to a perilous place that they were that, that they were making a, a horrible mistake and all he wanted to do was turn around and run away and, and, and wrap up james and make him safe but he couldn't do that he had to go with him he had to make sure that he was okay yeah we love smee we're team smee over here <laughs> we tried um also again i'm a big pirate fan or yeah my pirates fan in general i squealed obviously blackbeard showing up that was amazing that was so cool i was like what he's gonna be mentored and, and taken under the wing of blackbeard so i definitely want to talk a little bit about blackbeard and then my other moment that i was like squealing was davy freaking jones <laughs> shows up um during the battle of the kraken and i was like Oh, like as soon it was so funny because that's the other thing is like as soon where I was listening to the audiobook, so I went back and forth. I would like read chapters here and there, and then I would like if I was doing something, I wanted to listen to the audiobook while I was doing it. So I, I switched back and forth, but I happened to be listening at that time. And as soon as I heard that voice, he did such an amazing job emulating the version, and I can't remember the actor in Pirates of the Caribbean, but he did an amazing like version of that same voice. As soon as I heard the voice, I was like, oh my goodness. I was like, did Serena <laughs> actually do this? I was like, this is so cool. I yeah, I I was I was having a fangirl moment. It was really exciting. You know, on that note, I will say that Serena, you write one hell of an entrance. Like everybody has these just like goose bump bringing on spine tingling like holy crap this is happening entrances and and that was one of them and it was like i had goosebumps i was like oh no well i mean a, a character like davy jones needs needs an amazing entrance right i mean and the thing is is that i mean blackbeard deserved an entrance too but i wanted blackbeard's like entrance to be more subtle Right. Because, you know, because of the situation at hand, you know, he kind of like stepped in and and, you know, took James under his wing. But a, a character like Davy Jones needs a huge entrance. And but from my point of view, I, I didn't even think about it from an epic point of view. I thought about the fact that it made sense, like historically, you know, with like in terms of like mythology and all of that. 
like Blackbeard is being pulled down to the depths of the ocean and James is going after him. And James realized I've gone down too far. There's no way I'm going to be able to survive this. And poor Smee is up like in the crow's nest, like fretting, like, will James be able to survive this? And I'm like, of course, who, who needs to show up? It needs to be David Jones, you know? And just for the record, it's, it's, you know, like, not necessarily the Davy Jones, like from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie franchise. You know, as we all know, Davy Jones was a character before before that that came about. But I'm happy for for readers to imagine imagine them to be anyone that they would like to imagine the character to be. But I'm glad you all like enjoyed that part because I had a blast writing that entire scene. You know, like it, it, I love, I also, Tanisha, I love pirate stuff too, like a lot. Um, I did a hu- huge amount of um, research for um, about pirates and their ships. And I felt like, like when I was creating James, like he was kind of like me because I was like a book nerd, like trying to figure out like all the pirate stuff for like another book that I'm writing. And I just find it fascinating. So it was fun. It was like all the information for this story was like right, right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and then also, I think we have to just get into this, like, shocking, twisting, twist or twisting, twisted ending of, like, they're all dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm getting so many, like, people freaking out about this. So, like, I'm shook. People are doing, um, like, TikTok um, vid- reaction videos. Uh, like while like while they're reading it and stuff, it's hilarious. I I knew that it would be surprising to readers, but I didn't think that it would be like such a big deal. Like, yeah, I love it. I love that people are loving this ending. Yeah, I, well, I, you you kind of you gave me a little tease with it earlier. Like when when Blackbeard turns to him and he's like, "What makes you think we made it out?" Right, and I was like, "No." Right? She did not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that just seems like a, 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 in a way, it's kind of like a Blackbeard thing to say, but you know, I love the foreshadowing. You know, I love to like drop the hints and give like, you know, give readers reason to wonder, you know, what might be coming. So I, I was surprised that it was such a big surprise, like at the ending. But I mean, and it, it also like harkens back to why James felt so at home, like in, in the dead woods, you know, why, um, you know, they wanted him, him to stay, you know? So I think, uh, yeah, I think it, it's one of those reveals that, a lot of things make sense in in retrospect. Oh, really? Like everything just kind of, as soon as that was revealed, like in my mind, it was like cards falling down. Like everything fell into place at that point. And I was like, that makes so much sense. Yes. That's why he was able to get into the Deadwoods. No problem. That's why he like, I'm so glad you saw that because like you're, you can't walk into the Deadwoods unless you're of the blood of the odd sisters or you're dead. Right? right. So, yeah, I was hoping that readers would catch on to that too. 
so good. I mean, and that's how this whole book is. It's just full of those little Easter eggs that if you've been following along with this game and you've been playing at home, folks, you are going to find so many little breadcrumbs and Easter eggs in there and it will pull you right along and you will find your way to the end. It's so good. Oh, I love you, Gretchen. And I love you, Tanisha. I'm happy you both enjoyed the book so much. Oh, so good. I, I mean, I feel like... I, I've loved them all, and then I've just found myself getting, and and it could just be because we're building on the lore over time, and so as as the lore is getting built upon, and and more puzzle pieces are sliding into place, I'm just like with each book, I feel like not that I like each book more than the previous one, but it, it, it's I don't know how to explain it. It's just like building like my anticipation and my excitement. Um, it's like a new yeah. favorite. Every time, like, yeah, every my new time, like oh, this one's my favorite. And then he, I'm like, yep. dang, this one's my favorite. <laughs> so good. That's my intention, you know? So that's awesome. I mean, cause that's how I feel too. You know, like each book, you know, each book is my favorite. Obviously in retrospect, there are books that are like deeply embedded in my heart. Like mother knows best, you know, and Maleficent because she's my favorite gal, you know, but they do all, become my favorite for like a time um and there's even there's even stories that i didn't think would i mean james hook wasn't necessarily a character that i was like oh i'm dying i'm dying to write about him but like with with gothel um the more that i thought about it and the more you know the more i planned I, I just I fell more and more in love with with his character, and I enjoyed writing him. I mean, he's funny, he's you know like dorky and sweet and handsome and all the things, and I had so much fun. And I'm glad I'm glad that you all enjoyed the story. All right, so next we have an interview with John York. I had the pleasure of interviewing him about what it was like to be James Hook for a time. Um, it's in audio. And I hope that you all enjoy it because I had the best time chatting with him. Um, he is the narrator from Never Never, A Tale of Captain Hook. And I hope you enjoy it. It was so fun chatting with him, you all. It was like, he was such a sweet man. I know that you both like enjoyed listening, listening to his audio book. Loved it. He was so good. He was just all the different voices that he chose for the character. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about, um, yeah, like how he came up with the different voices and, and made the choices that he made. It was just, it was so spot on. I loved it. Yeah. He was saying that one of the voices that he enjoyed most was doing uh, Blackbeard's voice. And I loved, I loved that he was so like into, into the story. Um, he, you know, really picked up on the fact that there was like a father-son relationship going on between James and Blackbeard. And I liked that he, that he resonated with this story so much. You know, he was so sweet. He was saying that when he was prepping the script uh, before, you know, before reading it as they have to do, that he would forget that it was actual work that, that he was needing to do. He said that he would wake up every morning and go, I get to do never, never today. You know, and it was just, it warmed my heart that he enjoyed, you know, that he enjoyed working on it so much. And he had said something to the effect that, um, you know, that, that it was one of those projects that would stay with him for, you know, for a long time. And that just made me, that just made me really happy. And he was, he is such a, 
a dear a dear person. So I know I know readers are going to enjoy hearing what his journey what his journey was like reading reading James's story. There was a lot of love in his performance. That's that's kind of what I took away from it because he you could just kind of tell how much he enjoyed doing it. Like he just it was so good. I mean, it was like you're swept into it and and I I prefer audiobooks because it's just like you can kind of just complete audio sensory change there and I could just close my eyes and be right there with him and I just he did a really good job. It was it was apparent how much he loved it. Yeah, I I um I I had never like created like a you know for lack of a better word relationship with any of the the audiobook people like they're all amazing they've all done like really good jobs but John was the first audiobook um, narrator that sent me like a cute little video like on Twitter congratulating me on the release of the book and like he was like in London he doesn't live in London but happened to be in London that day he he is in the UK he happened to be in London that day and I if I remember correctly like Big Ben was in the background and he made like this cute video saying that um, you know that the book is out today he had the pleasure of recording it and then it was like you know special to him and I just instantly like like endeared me to him like in that moment. And I was like, I have to get to know, get to know this person. And so when he asked me to be on his podcast, which I'd like to share with all the readers will be happening this Friday. Um, and then I had the opportunity to interview him for our first tea time segment. I it was, it was more pleasurable than I could possibly fathom. Like I had a great time. It's my pleasure to introduce John York, the amazing gentleman who narrated the audiobook version of my latest villain's novel, Never Never, A Tale of Captain Hook. Thank you so much for being with us today, John. Oh, thank you for having me. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Hello. Um, I know that readers are going to be thrilled to hear about your journey narrating James' story, and I am as well. Tell us, what was it like being Captain James Hook for a time? It was an incredible experience uh, being Captain James. And yeah, it was one that's going to stay with me forever. Um, I found myself like kind of immediately drawn to to James. You know, he was, he was courageous and, and brave and, and curious and uh, and driven and all the things that I want to be. <laughs> so it was, it was a, a real pleasure to sort of be that for, you know, while in the booth. Um, but yeah, it was just exploring, going through his story, learning more about him and and uh, yeah, on the on the read through before production, you know, while marking up the script and coming up with all the characters and such, um, it really um, it really allowed me to sort of, you know, experience that as a, as a fan um, of, of the material first, which was, you know, tremendous fun. And then it sort of kicked in that I was there to do a job. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was it was just great fun. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I'd like to say that. I'd like to say that um, I, I found similarities between uh, James and myself. Maybe that's been too uh, kind on myself. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was just, it was tremendous fun and uh, uh, over too quickly. It really was. Oh, you know, you've been, you've been so like generous and sweet, like since the the book was, you know, the book and the audio book was released, you know, I've never 
gotten, uh, I've never seen a video made by <laughs> the narrator of one of my one of my stories before, like promoting the book, promoting the audio book, and just saying like congratulations for the release, and that instantly endeared me to you. It was like uh-huh. I was like, oh, what a sweet gentleman! Like I want to reach out to this person, and and I'd, I'd already been hearing such lovely remarks about the job that you did for Hook. Um, well, I should say the job that you did for James, because you were James, like throughout, you know, throughout <laughs> the entire story. But, you know, um, and as, you know, as I think I've mentioned to you before in other conversations, like you so seamlessly were able to capture James, uh, but yet you transitioned his character as his character changed until he became Hook at the end of the story and that resonated through your voice and and through your performance I mean so many people have remarked on that on how you were able to just like draw them into the story in a way that they found really enchanting and for me that's that's like a dream you know that's that's who you want to narrate your story and I feel that you brought your own magic to to this book and I'm I'm grateful. Oh thank you very much. That that really does mean the world. Uh, and you know to hear that people are enjoying it and that that's just um you know that's everything that we want. Um yeah and and as for as for sort of I I really tried actively to have that subtle but you know you know evolution of of, of James uh, you know as as he, he went through and experienced those things and you know went through some pretty tough times and, and difficult times and he's discovering you know things about himself about the world about what he wants you know all through the book and I wanted to that to reflect you know through his voice as he matures and uh, you know and his uh, you know different things are revealed to him of course that's going to have an impact on you know your mentality the way you see the world the way that you feel about yourself and that's all you know as a narrator um your only tools really are your voice so i really did try and 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 you know actively um evolve it you know ever so slightly through there just to you know have him sounding a little bit older a little bit more mature a little bit more you know sort of um is you know reflective of those experiences that he went through Absolutely. Was there um, a scene that you found particularly fun to record? Do you have a memory? Yeah, of? I think to be honest. Well, first of all, the whole thing was fun. But I think it's a um, to anything with Blackbeard. I really enjoyed Blackbeard in this book. I really enjoyed doing the voice for Blackbeard. Um, their, you know, their relationship and and you know, it was it was you know, sort of, almost sort of father sonly, wasn't it? It was um, it was you know that mentor vibe. Um, going on and that was that was a lot of fun to do so the scenes with him also anything with Mr Smee um, <laughs> yeah it was uh, and then I don't want to spoil anything but the, uh, the yeah the end the, the sort of last three chapters were were pretty you know uh, were pretty exciting for various reasons that I won't I won't spoil is uh was well I was going to ask if but this might be a spoiler question mm. was there any portion of the story that was was particularly heartbreaking for you like because I'm assuming that you're like me and you you take these characters on yeah and then you become them and and so you're 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 living their experience it seems like through through the narration of their story was there was there a scene that resonated with you that just made you feel heartbroken for your you know yeah there, there was there was there was a few points I think do you know I think because as a you know as a as a as a younger uh you know person watching Peter Pan and, and being 
getting into that material uh but you know peter pan was a hero you know in 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 my eyes and then you when peter pan you know came in in it, up in this book it was like oh it was it was it was special it was a special character and then things didn't really play out in the way that you that you first thought and it kind of yeah it was it was hard on james and hard on myself um to sort of have that you know experience and, and have him disappointed with with what he found there and and you know obviously that leads to various choices and and states of mind and i i felt that with him i think i would have done the exact same <laughs> yeah i i i wish i wish that um that james had just stayed in the deadwoods with with cersei and and hazel and primrose and yes. that he would have just lived his life in the many kingdoms because he's it was is like almost like the perfect place for james you know thinking yeah. about him as a child and the things that he was into and to come he must have his his desire to go to never not Neverland and be friends with peter and and the and the lost boys must have been so great to keep him from staying in a place that was like almost made for him the many kingdoms like he could have spent the the, the rest of his life exploring there and probably being very happy but he chose yeah. to go to Neville. yeah you're absolutely right and I think that was you know it's a trait that I really quite liked in him um you know he, he sort of stuck to his guns there and I know they didn't really it didn't work out all that best for him but it it was that that courageousness and that you know the curiosity and, and, and the and that you know as you as you say that sort of drivenness to get what he wanted he knew what he wanted and he had this sort of one mission to get there and i, I quite respected the fact that he sort of stuck to his guns even though it didn't work out that well if you get what yeah. i mean what's um what's the most challenging aspect of of narrating um books for audiobook versions um i would say hmm it can be the material sometimes in the sense that you can come across some, you know, very dark material, very difficult material, um, you know, especially in the nonfiction world, you know, you can, you know, I've narrated a lot of books on, um, on, you know, serial killers and, and, um, and tragedies and war and, and things like that, that can be very difficult. Um, you know, that it can, it can affect you. And, um yeah I think that's that was one that was one that I didn't expect really actually before doing this job I just assumed oh it's just words on a page but then obviously because you, you you know you put a lot of feeling into it you put a lot of um effort into it it does affect you and it stays with you so yeah the, with, there's been certain projects that have you know about not very nice topics that have stayed with you and you know especially learning more about them you know victims and you know serious crimes and things that's very difficult um or it could be accents, <laughs> a bit different flavour for you. Um, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, there can be some. I've done books where, you know, there's been fifteen, sixteen different accents um, in a chapter. I had a um, a book where a lot of the scenes were like, you know, the UN, you know, United Nations Round Table with all the okay. different accents going. Um, oh, that was, goodness. yeah, that was quite fun. Um, so yeah, that that was quite tricky. That must have been maddening in a way, like to have to go back and forth to to all those different ask, accents. I I did a when the Corella Deville book was coming out. I mm. I wrote that book in first person, and so I kind of created like I really got into the character more so than any of the others, and the fact that I was writing specifically in her voice when I wrote mm. the story, yeah. and so I took it. 
I took it a step further on my social media and was acting as if like Corella was taking over my social media and she was the <laughs> one that was interacting with, with readers. And then I thought to myself, well, wouldn't that be fun if I interviewed Corella DeVille, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll, and I did it in one take. Like I didn't do any editing or anything um, because I just, I don't have like the savvy to do that. And so I like, of course I flubbed it like quite a few times, but I finally nailed it. And I felt utterly mad, like <laughs> trying to like, like, you know, I'm like, Oh, thank you for joining us today, Corella. Like, here's the first question. And then I go right into speaking like Corella. And then I have to respond to Corella. And like, I was just having this like, conversation with myself outside of my body and it was maddening but it was it was so much fun though at the same time yeah. like and I'm like imagining that for you trying to do like 50 different like accents like in the yeah same, in the same <laughs> I guess it just depends I guess it sort of depends on how well you have them down because obviously you have to have them down to a certain level before you before you have a go in the booth um you know you never you're never just sort of throwing it out there um but obviously there's going to be some that you feel more comfortable doing than others um so if you know if you're comfortable in doing them it's tremendous fun and, and to be honest after a while you don't even think about it um because you just you you go into the character rather than the voice um right. you know it's sort of you think oh well this is you know edmund and edmund speaks like this and you know whatever um so it just kind of you, you I, I tend to think of it a little bit more like that um but yeah you do feel a little bit mad um yeah <laughs> well, I'm also not a professional narrator like you I mean yes I have a background <laughs> in theater but you know I'm just like hmm I guess I'll try to do a Corella voice and it, it worked it was fine like I got the laugh down pretty well like yeah <laughs> I did feel a little, little kooky like having to go back and forth with myself like that but yeah. um yeah so what would you like what's the like initial process like for you getting cast for you know for project like never never like how does yeah. that work yeah sure so actually it was it was a strange one i um i have a i have a podcast as you as you may know um and i was uh, i just happened to be interviewing um a very fantastic um narrator uh, called Anne marie lewis um and uh, she um, we we talked and interviewed her. We we're talking about narration and audiobooks and such. And then um, she very kindly um, sent me an email afterwards. Um, you know, a few hours after we'd wrapped the interview, and she said, "Oh, I've just." Uh, she was part of this agency, um, uh, you know, or some a group. And uh, there was this, you know, closed, you know, very secretive note saying, um, you know, the specs for the book. And she said, "I know we don't really know each other." You know, before this interview but this kind of sounds like you um and I didn't really think much of it because um you, you sort of taught when auditioning for projects you're taught to um to just do them and then forget about it because your chances of getting it are so small um you know you don't want to be you don't want to be upset um you don't want to get upset for for that sort of you know for not getting it so I did the audition and sent it off, uh, not really knowing what it was for. Um, actually, no, sorry, I didn't send off an audition. I sent off a message saying, oh, I'd like to put myself forward for the audition, if that was even possible. Um, right. And then, uh, so I sent that message off, not, you know, sort of forgetting about it. And then I think I had to do a small sample. If I'm remembering correctly, I had to do a small sample, which again, I didn't know what it was for. 
um uh, so, so it was kind great. of so you didn't yeah I didn't oh. know yeah so then I sent one I sent that over and then I got another email back and that was when they said oh it's for a project for Disney it's never never and they told me about it and then from that moment on I know I didn't I've never ever in my career wanted a book more <laughs> than, oh. than that. Um, <laughs> it was it was torture because obviously you know you, you're like well the chances of you know you don't know how many people are going up against it you don't know if I'm the right fit for it and all I knew is how much I wanted it um and uh, I couldn't tell anybody either um you know because right. you're supposed to you know you're not supposed to t tell anybody so I had to keep it secret so I was I did this audition and I and, I, and um I really tried to to you know put everything I had into it and and uh you know did some research and, and really got in there and, and tried to bring a little bit of myself to it and then um and and yeah and then I listened to that audition on repeat for about two hours you know, uh, trying to imagine each time it started again, imagining, OK, pretend I've never heard it. And this is the first time I've, you know, and then I redid a little bit. So I spent ages on it. Um, and then, yeah. And then I had an excruciating five days of oh. um, <laughs> of, of, of thinking, every, you know, every time my mind had, you know, if I was at work and um, my mind had drift off onto other things, I thought, oh, I haven't heard back from them yet. Oh. Um, yeah. And then um, it came through and, and uh, I got offered um, offered the job. And yeah, it was it was incredible. It was really great fun. And then it was, uh, yeah. And then I was just, I was just excited for it really. Um, before then I couldn't wait to prep the manuscript, which is, <laughs> which prepping a manuscript isn't always the fun task that it sounds. Um, it's quite, um, it's a lot of work, you know, you, you're reading the book through, you're making a lot of notes, you're highlighting the characters, you're working out what's been said, you're making sure that you understand it. You're writing any questions down um, that pop up. You know, you're making uh, notes of everybody's accents, any, you know, intonations and all that sort of thing. So it's a lot of work. Um, I get I get yeah. notes. I get those notes, actually. So. So, you know, they're, they're, I, I'm assuming like either you or somebody on your team sends that to the audio department at Disney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then they send it to my editor and then they ask me, you know, what kind yeah. of accent does you know does this character have you know they'll ask me about pronunciations um because sometimes I'll get notes back you know if the narrator doesn't know how to pronounce like certain names and stuff yeah and lately but you in the past they've asked me to spell them phonetically and I thought to myself wouldn't it be easier if they can just hear yeah how I say it so I've been doing voice files lately so I'm not sure if you got my voice files or how they how they did it but I'm like, well, it's pronounced Circe and it's pronounced Flonsa and it's, you know, like. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, that, um, and I always I find that that process interesting. You know, they'll you know, I'll get I'll get questions from from the audio department going like, well, what type of voice, you know, did you have in mind for, you know, like you know, yeah. in this book and things like that. And to just have you appear like magic. And, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. It's like you appear like magic and you in, encapsulate the character and not only that, but the material. It just it I'm not I'm not just saying this because we're chatting today. It like it you can tell when when um the person who's reading your book who, who actually likes the book. You could tell the difference. Oh. And and so it just it made my heart happy that oh, um thank you. 
that you narrated my book and that you did such a fantastic job and that you seem to resonate with the story and the character. Oh, thank you very much. And yeah, you're absolutely right. I did. I was having a blast from start to finish. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, even you mentioned at the start, the, um, the little uh, video I did on Twitter um, and it just sort of shows, I, you know, I, I was counting down the days for that release, <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, and uh, you, you don't get that with every project and stuff, you know, not for, you know, for negative reasons and stuff. It's just some things stay with you personally. And, 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 uh, and this was the case of that. And I just so happened to be in London. I'm not from London. Um, you know, originally, I don't live in London. Um, I live quite, you know, the north of England. Um, but I just so happened to be in London. Uh, where you know the story starts and when on the release day so I thought it'd be a waste not to take a video there it was and, brilliant uh, yeah. it was so brilliant to see you standing there with the book like where the book took place and and <laughs> like and and it just it made the release day more special for me like because you know and and to have you like see you be so excited for the book and it's just so generous and the sweet things that you were saying about it um, it just it made me excited to to like to see that and to know that you you know were a part of this process and and and, and a very integral part in in helping to make this book even more magical. So, oh, thank you. No, it was it, <laughs> it was absolutely it was absolutely my pleasure. And uh, yeah, it was it, it really felt. I think that was it as well. Is it 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 felt special, um, you know, from the get go and. Um, yeah, it was like the whole process. I mean, you know, the, the narration process, um, I think I mentioned it before, but I, like um, none of this book felt like work to me. Um, you know, I just I couldn't wait to to jump out and get started. And um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, you know, not a single second of it was wished away. So, um, yeah, <laughs> not saying I mean, obviously, there's, there's there's times you're not always comfortable. You always you know, there's you always um, have the forefront in mind of am I doing the best job? Um, you know, am I did I say that in the right way? Did I do this? You know, you're always sort of doubting yourself or, you know, you have to do things again. Um, but everything came from that. I really need this to be, to right. be special, you know. Yeah, I can I can relate when when earlier when you were talking about when you were prepping your um, audition tape. Um, you know, listening to it over and over again, and then you know, each time trying to listen to it as if you hadn't heard it before, or yeah. you know, trying your best to listen to it with someone else's ears, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's that's what I go through when I write the different versions of my scripts. When I sit down and and read them, I try to read them for the first time. You know, yeah. like. You know, as like how's you know how is my editor going to be looking at this? How will the the readers be looking at this? And try to look at it from outside myself. That's a hard that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was feeling for you while you were while you were sharing that that no, part. Yeah, your process. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, I think it's a skill, and um, I think you know you learn it. Um, you know, for better or for worse, um, as you know, as a narrator, if you. Um, you know, I've done over 300 books now. Um, so you um, you do, you have that skill of being able to really listen to your voice as if it is somebody else. And, you know, because I think just like a lot of other people, when I first started this, I would cringe at my voicemail. You know, every time I'd hear a recording of my voice, I'd say, oh, that, that's not how I sound. Oh, gosh, that sounds awful. Um, 
and then but one good thing about being a narrator or oh, many good things but one of the good things is that it really knocks that out of you um you can be you become very comfortable with how you sound and then you get to be able to switch off that part of oh this is me and you get to listen to it you know does that sound like james does that sound like me does that sound like you know someone telling the story is this the voice that you know this that, that you could imagine doing that so it's yeah it's uh it, it took a while to get there but i think um now it's it's it, I, I can just switch off and say that sounds like that character that's amazing I'm so happy that we had a chance to talk today not only for my tea time um podcast today but we got to speak earlier for your podcast and I was wondering if you'd like yeah. to give give my um my viewers uh, a bit of information where they can expect to um, hear that and the name of the show and we can also get a link for it in um, you know so that we can point people in that direction when when your podcast airs oh thank you yeah absolutely so uh, my podcast is the audiobook club uh, with john york um, so it's uh, essentially it's a podcast um, celebrating audiobooks and storytelling and uh, I, I interview uh, audiobook narrators, authors such as yourself, um, and I've had comedians on, um, I've had editors on, producers, sound engineers, um, directors. Uh, yeah, it's been a really great, it's been fantastic actually. It's, um, it sort of started out as, you know, a way to celebrate audiobooks and things. It's just ended up giving me an excuse to just meet really interesting people and have a natter with them. Um, so it's it's turned into a real sort of um, a passion and and yeah and the audience has grown and we have uh, I get I get messages from uh, all sorts of people you know if, if they're working in the audiobook industry whether they're you know up and coming writers or whether they just you know like a good story um, so it's it's uh, it's really nice to to do that. There's also um, uh, if if uh, you have Twitter or anything and you'd like to follow me, um, I'll be posting. Um, more about the podcast because we're actually filming it as a um, as a video as a vidcast I believe it's called or so I'm told um, with a company uh, and I'm told also that in the next few months it's going to be on a streaming service. Um, How so, exciting! Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah. Thank That's you very wonderful. much. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a different format, um, you know, more of a visual format, and we've uh, shot two episodes so far. Um, and we're doing uh, a few more shooting uh, some in about two weeks time and they're a lot of fun and we have some really great guests there so yeah keep if you if that sounds like something that you may be interested in keep an eye out and uh, I'll be posting it to the high heavens when it does come out <laughs> absolutely absolutely well well you happen to be um on our very first um episode of tea time um we do we do video as well but we decided that we would do like an audio segment um for for our first for our first tea time with with the yeah. segment with you so i just feel lucky that i get to have you on our very first episode of tea time <laughs> oh. and i just you know i had a blast speaking with you today um during during your um podcast and i'm thankful that you've taken time out of your evening um to speak with me today and again thank you thank you for the beautiful job that you did narrating never never oh thank you i really appreciate you saying that it means the world and and thank you for having me on the show it's been a pleasure and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to to catching the rest of it thank you so much
right. So speaking of, we mentioned like every book that comes out is my new favorite book. Um, so I am very looking forward to my new, my about to be new favorite book. Uh, can you tell us about Raising the Horseman? Yes. Um, Raising the Horseman is a standalone novel. Um, it's not connected to the villain series. It's coming out on September 6th. I mean, I hope that one day it will be a series that that is my hope at the moment. Um, you know, we'll just, we'll just see, we'll just see if, um, you know, readers love it. And if enough people want to see more, then I'll have the opportunity to write my books because I certainly have more ideas like in my mind. And I think that once you get to the end of the story, you'll see that I, I have some ideas about where I'd like to see this go. So I'm going to, Go ahead and um, read a description of the book for y'all. And um, maybe, what do you guys think? Should I read um, maybe part of the pro the prologue? That would be amazing. Yes. Would that be fun? <laughs> we'll take yes. what we can get, Serena. <laughs> Give us all of the breadcrumbs. <laughs> all right. So, oh, here we go. From the New York Times bestselling author, that's me. Um, of the Disney villain series comes the ghostly new standalone novel that reimagines the legend of Sleepy Hollow through the eyes of a modern teen. The 200th anniversary of the Headless Horseman's legendary haunting of Sleepy Hollow is approaching, but Cat Van Tessel wants nothing to do with the town's superstition celebrations. As a descendant of the original Katrina Van Tassel, Cat knows that she's expected to fulfill her ancestor's legacy by someday marrying her longtime boyfriend and running the prestigious family estate. But Kat dreams of a life outside of Sleepy Hollow. Then Kat meets Isadora, a new girl in town who challenges Kat to re-examine those expectations, opens her eyes to the possibility that ghosts are real, and makes her question who she really wants to be and be with. When Kat is given the original Katrina's diary, the new legend begins to take shape, one that weaves together the past and the present in eerie ways. Can Kat uncover a 200-year-old secret and trace its shocking reverberations into her own life in time to protect those she truly loves? Fans of the series will delight in the supernatural coming-of-age tale that finally gives the women of Sleepy Hollow a chance to tell their side of the story. And, and that's honestly what's most important to me about, about this series is that for the first time we get to see the legend of Sleepy Hollow from a woman's point of view. I mean, I love the adventures of Ichabod Crane like everybody else does, but Katrina Van Tessel really has no voice in practically any of the adaptations of her story and and so much like not even not even in the original tale. So I really wanted to tell a story that would be from her from Katrina's point of view and more importantly um and at the same time I should say rather than importantly from you know from a, a modern a modern day perspective. Sorry I flubbed because my dog was like doing something he wasn't supposed to be doing. <laughs> I was trying to hold it together. <laughs> it's all good. All right. So uh, I am super excited about this. I I absolutely adore the horseman lore. 
And I know you always do your research. So I'm really excited to see how you turn these characters into the modern day uh, life. And I'm, I'm also very excited to see what you do with Katrina Van Tassel because I totally agree there is not enough of her. And I think that she is definitely an important part of the story. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. I mean, she is absolutely like the reason for the story. And that's the thing that, that sort of confounds me that, I mean, the entire story revolves around winning her love. I mean, she is the daughter of the Van Tassels who's going to inherit this farm. There's two different people like fighting for her love, but really are they fighting for her love? Are they fighting for the chance to take over this estate? And I, I mean, really, I feel besides besides the horseman, she's the most important person in the story. And I think she deserves more screen time. Yeah, that's, I'm really excited for getting that perspective. It'll be a, a new a new take that has not been done at all before on the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So I'm excited for that. And then I'm I think I'm really excited to see how things play out in modern day Sleepy Hollow how it ties back, how the modern day characters are sort of uncovering the legend and the supernatural forces that may or may not be at play um, in the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Like that, that to me is, is really exciting. I know in the past, I, I get frazzled with time jumping, but I feel like I'm really excited <laughs> for the, for the time jumping aspect of, of, going back and forth to these two stories that are going to be happening sort of linearly. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you're going to be okay with the way that time works in this, like just, you know, knowing, knowing how you are in, in, in time. Um, the thing, the thing about this book is that both stories are happening linear, linearly. And so, you know, Kat's story is moving forward and, and Katrina's story is moving forward and, and Kat is learning about the stuff that happened to Katrina and both of their stories are very parallel and that's paramount to the story because Kat is learning more about herself and her own situation through what happened to her great, 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 you know, her great, great, great grandmother. So I think you'll be okay. Um, I think one of the biggest like sort of feedback things that I've got gotten from readers is that they were a little bit, you know, feeling like it was hard to sort of keep track of like what was happening to Kat and what was happening to Katrina because their names, you know, because their names are similar. But I don't, I don't think that you're going to, you're going to have, you know, going to have that issue. I think that I hope that the, the readers are going to be surprised by the, the real legend of Sleepy Hollow. And I, I feel strange saying that because obviously the real legend of Sleepy Hollow is written by, you know, Washington Irving. But if you're familiar with that tale, we're not sure. We're not sure, like, who scared Ichabod for anyway, right? We're not sure if it was Headless Horseman. We're not sure if it was Brom because he was jealous of, you know, of Katrina's love for, you know, or infatuation with Crane. And in, in my story, you know, Katrina makes it very clear who scared Ichabod away. And I, I hope that readers will be intrigued by, you know, by the reveal of that at the end. Oh, I'm excited for that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, is there any way we could get a little tease? 
I think you might be able to get a little tease. If you don't mind, maybe I'll just read a little bit, a little bit of the prologue. And yes, yeah, okay, I'll do that. All right, I'm not the best at reading, but here we go. Prologue entitled Sleepy Hollow. If the Dindians of Sleepy Hollow are to be believed, every single person who lives here has had at least one supernatural experience. It's a ghostly place still firmly rooted in its past, steeped in tradition and superstition. It's a dreamlike and drowsy town, only disturbed by the ghost and the shadows that still haunt it. Something holds sway over the people who live here. It, is, it fills their minds with dark stories, strange visions, and bizarre beliefs. The town of Sleepy Hollow, many say, is haunted. There are some haunted by memories, some by tradition, while others insist they are haunted by the spirits of this ghostly place. Some tell tales of having witnessed the apparitions of dead soldiers replaying their last moments on the battlefield, or a sinister set of eyes peering at them from the hollow of an old tree, or hearing the whispers dancing on the breeze just over their shoulders while they walk deserted forest paths. But the spirit that seems to dominate their minds and imaginations most is the phantom of the headless horseman, a headless man astride a black spectral horse. It is believed that he was a Hessian trooper who lost his head to cannon fire during the Revolutionary War. It is a ghastly image, the poor man's head being carried away by cannonball, never to be found again. This spirit haunts the nightmares of the children of Sleepy Hollow, only to creep back into their dreamscapes years later. Adults. I know. I love the spookiness. I love that we're going dark. I love, I, yeah, I'm so excited for this. I'm so, that, so excited. It's going to be so good. I, I got goosebumps. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> when I was, when I was preparing to write this book, I, I go through like a phase of prepping before, before I write stuff. And for like a good month before I started writing this, I was just listening to Washington Irving's version on audio tape as I slept like every single night and so I feel like the prologue was very much influenced by you know by his writing style I really wanted to capture the spirit of of the original tale before I dropped us into modern day and our deliciously beautiful and charming modern day teen cat because I'm like in love with her and you know she just sort of makes like this crazy sort of entrance into our world but I wanted to I wanted to really like put people put people into the spirit of what this book is which is you know the legend of Sleepy Hollow so you really set the mood oh, <laughs> I love you so much Gretchen you really the set the mood Oh yeah, I feel like I'm in I'm in Sleepy Hollow on a creepy like moonlit night, just fog rolling over. Like I I feel it. I'm in it, and I'm ready. I know I know that you two are in the process of reading of reading Sleepy Hollow. I mean, reading uh, Raising the Horsemen in preparation for our next our next show. Um, so I know that you're probably like not in like the scariest moments of 
of the book because they do happen later, you know. Um, but what are your what are your impressions so far? Do you mind sharing like what your takeaways are at the moment, or is that a weird thing to ask since you're not? You're I'm not not early on still. I'm very in the very uh, very first couple of chapters. But what I will say is I'm very intrigued by Cat. Um, I, I there's something about her in that she's very like her skepticism, her lack of interest in, you know, I think from an outside perspective, I would be like, Kat, that's so dope. Like you're a direct descendant um, of, of this epic legendary story. Like you, you're, you know, like it, it, that's so cool. Why are you not more excited about this? And she's like, eh, like I could care less, like whatever, like these people are weird. Um, so I'm, I, I, there's something about that that like draws me into her, and I'm I'm very curious to see her journey. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to know that character more and and, and see how she evolves, or maybe her views maybe evolve uh, over the course of the tale. I I'm actually at. I am right before stuff goes sideways and I know it's coming. So I am like, I I've caught myself like chewing on my nails while I'm reading. Cause there's just, there's a lot of tension being built and I am super excited for it. I, I can't wait to see how you've turned this into it. I think Kat is an amazing character and I think Isadora is so much fun. And I just, I really like what you're doing with them. And I think that they are, um, just bright shining lights right now. And I think that they are going to be representatives for very, very special people. And I think that's really awesome. But I also really like how you're turning that character into a strong person and a strong, like in their mind and not just cynical all the time. Yeah. I, I think, I think the thing about Kat that I find interesting is that, and I don't want to give away any spoilers, but Tanisha, you'll understand, I think, later in the story why she has told herself that, you know, the ghosts aren't real. You know, why these, you know, why these legends like annoy her. It, it plays very deeply into the toxic relationship that she's in with her boyfriend, Blake. And I think like once she meets Isadora and they become friends and she sees her life from an outside perspective, because sometimes when you're in, you know, a gaslighting relationship or you're in a relationship that's toxic, you know that it's not the right place for you to be. You know that you're not comfortable. You know that you're not happy. But sometimes you don't really see it for what it is until you see it through somebody else's eyes. And I feel like that's what's happening for Kat in the story. Once Isadora jumps on the scene, she sees her life differently. And Isadora is there to let Kat shine. You know, she's not there to take the credit or point her in any direction or tell her what she has to do. She's like, what do you want, girl? What? How do you want to live your life? Like, what is most important for you? Let me support that. And I think that's why, you know, the relationship evolves, you know, the, the way that it does. I don't know where you are in the story, um, but their relationship is everything to me. Like I, I love them. And I, and I love that I was able to tell a story about young bi women being 
a bi woman like myself. And I love not only being able to give that representation, you know, for other people in the LGBT community, but to tell a story that's authentically me as well. And I, I hope, you know, I hope that readers enjoy it. I'm excited to get to continue. <laughs> yeah. Sorry if that was a spoiler for y'all, but I mean, I think it's been made pretty clear online, you know, that it's a, you know, LGBTQ book and, you know, from the get go, Blake does not seem like a very good, very good boyfriend. So a very good. Yeah. Boyfriend. And I will definitely tell you my thoughts on him when we do the next tea time. <laughs> also, I like the. I have I, opinions. I, I'm, a, I'm assuming it was intentional. The play on names here. You have like Blake and Isadora, and then you have Ichabod and Rom. Like, I'm very curious. Like, what's that? Tanisha, you are too smart for words. Stop it. You are too <laughs> smart for color TV. Stop. Like, I, I okay, I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited. Okay, I I I gotta catch those little those little things. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm noticing something here. You notice? I, love, I love how you notice all the things, Tanisha. You <laughs> give me life with this. I like. I swear. Like, I'm just like, oh God, Tanisha. She figured it out again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm ready for it. I'm excited to to see how everything plays out. Like I said, I just got started. So and then obviously I had to I had to read Never Never. So I'm I'm excited to return to finding the horseman and and really dive into it. So oh yeah. so exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, the book comes out on September 6th. It's available for pre-order now. So if readers are interested, they can get a pre-order of Raising the Horseman and it'll be out it'll be out soon. And in the meantime, we're gonna be making some cool video recordings like sharing different snippets of um, you know, different sections of the book and yeah. So what I'm hearing is more breadcrumbs are coming, more, more bread trails. <laughs> yes. Nice. More breadcrumbs are coming. Yeah. We will I take it all. Yes. <laughs> All right. So thank you for joining us for our very first episode of Tea Time with Serena, Tanisha, and Gretchen. And we had such a great time talking about Never Never Today and teasing um, Raising the Horseman that's coming out on September 6th. We want to thank John York for the amazing interview that he did with us today. Um, it was an incomparable experience being able to chat with a narrator of like an audiobook. And next time on Tea Time, we will be taking a deeper dive into um, Raising the Horsemen and we'll see what these amazing ladies think of that tale. And I can't wait. And I hope that you will plan to join us next month when we do our next episode of Tea Time with Serena, Tanisha, and Gretchen. Ready for tea time. Ready for tea time, ladies. Cheers. This podcast has been a production of the Creepy Kingdom Podcast Network. Executive produced by James H. Carter II and Ryan Grulick. Visit creepykingdom.com to get access to all of our articles, videos, and podcasts. Join our Patreon for exclusive content. Patreon.com slash creepykingdom. 
Until next time, this is Hannah reminding you to keep it creepy. Ha, 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 ha.